This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. All right, it is Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it very much. This happens to be... Let's see, what are we, February the 3rd now, so the year, the year is already cranking away. January is over, we're entering February and February, I should say that right, Charlie, right? February? I know, I hate that. Everybody says February, but uh, yeah, I don't know who did the spelling of that. I'm sure if I went back and looked at the origins of, it might explain it, but whoever thought sticking an R in there, even though that's my initial of my last name, first letter of the last name. I like the letter R, but not in February. I do not. Anyways, I digress. There is a Chinese spy balloon over the uh, continental U.S. right now. And I've got a little clip to play along these lines because I'm confused as to, I mean, I get that they think it's not any kind of an imposing threat. And I realize that, you know, for a lot of you listening, you, you know this as well. You know, Chinese have satellites. Every other country, not all, but a lot of countries have satellites. And, yeah, they can see all sorts of things. And so is there really that many secrets throughout the world? Depends on the country and who's looking. This happens to be a spy balloon. Now, I am not an expert in this world. If somebody out there is and you'd like to call in and explain the differences between what can be seen in a balloon versus a satellite, please do, because I do not know. 303-477-5600. You can also text us on the text line, which I will open up right now, 307-207-200-8222. So if somebody is a, you know, who's a lot smarter than I can inform me of what those differences are, I would, uh, actually, I would love to know. So if you've got the ability to let us know that, uh, I would I would appreciate that. I know our listeners would as well. So if you get a chance to call in, be free, you know, feel free to do that. I do have something I want to play because a reporter actually asked the Pentagon today. There was a briefing on this as to you know why are we not taking this out? So Charlie, I'll just go ahead and play this. Here we go. Thank you, Pat. Uh, you said that this is uh, violating our airspace. So why not take it down? Yeah, so, uh, you know, clearly as we assess options um, and considering the, the size of the payload on this, uh, looking at the potential for debris uh, and the impact on civilians on the ground or property damage, again, uh, running through the, the various factors and looking at uh, in terms of does it pose a potential risk uh, to people while in the air, and right now, as I mentioned, we, we assess that it does not pose a risk to people on the ground as it currently is traversing the continental United States. And so out of an abundance of caution, uh, cognizant of the potential impact to civilians on the ground uh, from a debris field, uh, right now we're going to continue to monitor and review options. So we're more worried about the debris field than they are the fact that the Chinese are spying on us. Again, I, I'm, I am not at that level. I cannot... You know, with any kind of expertise comment, I mean, I, I, I guess a, a um, debris coming out of the sky falling down in certain, you know, areas could, you know, could pose a problem. I get that. But we knew this thing was coming. We have the ability to watch these things from, as I said a moment ago, we have this, I'm positive of this as a country. We can see all of what's going on in that regard. 
why did we not shoot it down before it ever got into our space in the first place? Was this just a mistake? Somebody wasn't watching and all of a sudden, oh, oh, came a little close. Now it's over land and we don't want to do anything about it because we're worried about the debris that's falling. I mean, to me, this makes us look like a bunch of doofuses. Maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. And if I am, please correct me, text me, whatever. I mean, I I don't want to be that guy and just be Mr. Skeptical all the time. But are we are we this dumb that we're now allowing a Chinese spy balloon to just go from one end of the country to the other and not really worry too much about it? To me, this is a big deal. I don't just think shrugging it off and worrying about a debris field is good enough, is a good enough excuse to not take the thing out. And furthermore, why didn't we take it out before it ever got here? I can tell you this much. If the roles were reversed and we'd sent a spy balloon over China, I can tell you right now, it wouldn't still be flying. I guarantee you, I would bet my life they'd take it out. They wouldn't think twice about it. Now, some of you are thinking, John, this sounds more like what you would talk about on Rush to Reason. How does this apply to Ready Radio? Well, folks, this is a reminder, especially here on Ready Radio, that we are vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Look at this scenario right here. Unfortunately, right now, because of the folks that we have in command, we don't know what we're doing. Period. We don't have a clue. It's very apparent through moves we make on an ongoing basis that we are more concerned about whether or not a boy can turn into a girl or a girl can turn into a boy as to whether or not we're going to take down a Chinese spy balloon. There, therein lies the problem. And, and I, I'm sorry, I don't get it. I, I don't understand why we allow some of that stuff to go on. So lines are open. If you feel like calling in and talking about this, be my guest. And if some of you know way more about this than I do, which I'm sure some of you do, please let me know. 303-477-5600. I believe that is John and Cheyenne. Go ahead, sir. Hey, buddy. How are you? Um, so, quest- oh, I'm good. So question, you're worried about the debris. So you're telling me that in the most technologically advanced country in the world, we don't have a way to get up close to it and punch a hole in it. Not a big hole. You know, it's a balloon. I know, en- enough to where it would just slowly, gradually come to the ground, or even come to the ground enough to where we could then gather the payload, and away we go. I- I'm with you, John. How hard is this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're pretty smart people here in this country. I guess it's just the people that run the show are morons. Um, or- you are saying what I just said a moment ago. That, And, again, that's why I'm talking about this on Ready Radio. My fear is we we are not – we are not – we don't have good people at the helm. We, we don't have smart people at the helm. That's the problem. No. And the other thing that frightens me more than anything is maybe they're letting it go on purpose because – you know, everything keeps coming out, and I know this isn't Rush to Reason, it's Radio Radio, but how many people have said over the past two and a half years that the Chinese have Biden in their pocket? Oh, I think we're learning that more and more, even what's happening with <laughs> Hunter, the laptop, all the things going on there, which, by the way, I don't know if anybody yeah. heard, but he's retracted now what he said yesterday about it actually being his laptop. I mean, Hunter is a loose cannon for the Democrats, and they don't know how to handle him, by the way. Well... I wonder if he's going to be the next one if he gets arrested that's going to hang himself in his prison cell. Um, hmm. 
that's a lot. Jeffrey Eshin. Yeah, no, that's a thought. Right now, to your point, John, right now he's a huge liability to the Democrats and even the Biden family itself. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to readiness, how— how did this get into our airspace? Well, and, and thank you, John. I mean, you, you, you've, you're, you know, you're a military guy and all that. You know this even as, even as well as I do. You, know, you, you and I both oh. know there are people watching these sorts of things 24-7. And by the way, not one guy, but a multitude oh, yeah. of individuals that are watching this. To your point, and I said this a moment ago, how did it get here in the first place? Uh that's a great question. And why wasn't and it knocked out, you know, it, it, you know, off coast where you could have even had a boat out there to retrieve some of the debris and so on? I mean, are we that dumb? Uh-huh. We are. <laughs> We're, well, we aren't that dumb. Our leadership is that dumb. And, you know, the okay. Jefferson quote that I always like to repeat is you get the government you elect. Yeah. And they were elected, and that's what we got. The other thing I wanted to bring up, because this is Ready Radio. Did you see that article last week about that it's the largest uh, iceberg ever that broke away from Antarctica? No, I have not seen that. Go ahead. Tell me. Yeah, this this iceberg. It's the largest one ever. It broke away from the ice shelf down there. Of course, everybody knew it was going to happen for like the last 15 years because the crack that it was holding, it was getting wider and wider. One of the British uh, science stations down there actually moved their entire thing so it wouldn't be on the iceberg. So here's my question. We're pretty, you know, we're more mechanically. And why can't we get a bunch of ocean-going tugs, hook cables to it, tow it to the Port of Los Angeles, cut it into pieces that are fit on trail cars, and drop it into Lake Mead? Mm. Good point. I don't know. I, I, again, I don't, has anybody even thought about that? <laughs> No, I, 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 I never heard it. I just thought it up. I was like, well, why can't we do that? All of a sudden, Lake Mead's full again. John, you and I, I, I both know, and him, by the way, really quick for everybody listening, <laughs> the, the problem we have with Lake Mead is, once again, uh, not, you know, there's a lot of really, really smart people out there. The problem is we have let politics get in the way of what needs to happen with all of our water and, and I've read some really interesting things of late, and I've even said this myself, that you could desalinate, put several plants, and I think it takes six plants along the L.A. region area. If they put in six desalinization plants, yep. they could offset the amount of water that Los Angeles and that whole area is using, and it wouldn't take long to fill Lake Mead back up. Problem, John, is we, we, won't, we won't do that. We'll spend money on... On again, well, on studies as to whether or not a boy should become a girl or a girl should become a boy, but we won't build desalination plants. No, well, they, every time they try, the Sierra Club, who are the worst people on the planet, yep, those people are horrible because uh, they are the ones that automatically step in and say, "Well, it's going to affect the salt, the salinity of the Pacific Ocean around the plants when they dump the salt back into the ocean." Well, why do you have to dump back in the ocean? Why not take it out to the middle of the Mojave Desert? Why not sell it? They, oh, that that's too smart. Or <laughs> if you really want to put it back in the ocean, take it out by the Marianas Trench, which is 14,000 feet deep, and dump it there. Again, though, John, what we use salt. We use salt. I mean? I mean, we're mining salt daily all across this country. Just, I mean, the easy answer there is sell it. That's an easy answer. It's not that hard. Put it on a rail car and sell it. How hard yeah. is it? Yeah, or put it or store it. 
the other thing. Store and it, sell it. I mean, again, is, salt and, and is used is, every single solid day for all sorts of reasons across this great country. Sell it. It's not oh. that big a deal. In fact, you could sell it, offset oh, some of I, your cost as to what you're doing in regards to the desalinization in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, I mean right now for most people, thing, and it depends on the quality yeah. of the salt, but right now, wholesale prices on salt, they're probably able to sell that for, uh, on, on their end, probably around 100 or so, 80 to 100 a ton. So it's not free, John. I mean, oh. you know, I, I know what salt it's, wholesale no. prices cost. Well, and what does Israel do with theirs? What does Saudi Arabia do with theirs? That's a great question. All the other desert countries that do concentrate. Last one. Did you see that the the people in Boulder? I got to pick on Boulder because you grew up there. That's fine. They wanted to do – they're fighting a study group to look into the small modular nuclear reactors – they're fighting Colorado, even forming a study group to see if they would help with the energy. Dumbest thing the cleanest ever. Form, the cleanest form of energy, and the greenies are fighting against it. It is literally the cleanest form. And, and again, that's another problem we've got in this country is, is because of a few accidents that happen because of uh, – problems with men basically to be honest with you it really wasn't even in some cases in, in the russia issue it was a design issue but some of what we had here in the u.s with three yeah. mile that that was of that <clears throat> the bottom line is people have been tainted thinking that nuclear energy is is somehow or another bad the reality is as you know it is the cleanest thing we could ever do period the waste is minimal seven 70 years how many accidents has the u.s navy had zero that i know of it, that any of us know of, but we would have heard about it sooner or later if they lost the sub or something. Yep. Um, It would have come out sooner or later. And, you know, all the carriers, a lot of the other ships, all the subs, they're all nuclear-powered. They don't have any issues. Yep. Why can't we use it? I know they're building one out in western Wyoming, but uh, that's going to take a few years because... And what's funny about that, John, is even guys like Bill Gates, who none of us really care for, but even he says that's a great way for us to keep in mind he's invested in this. But, you know, he's he's one of the ones that actually wants to do some of those small plants you're talking about. So it's funny that that he being being really kind of anti everything that we stand for, that you and I stand for, is still one of the guys wanting to push that. Go go figure. Oh, exactly. But, of course, as soon as they started the initial permitting and everything, all the greenies came out of the woodwork to file lawsuits. Hmm. And the big problem with that, and I don't know if you know this, in the early 70s, the federal government passed a law, which usually, that they get, the people who are fighting, you know, the environmentalists, they get money from the feds to fight it. So in other words, the feds are paying people to fight them. Yep. Dumb. <laughs> Dumb. Goes back how to the stupid, goes back to the beginning of the bl- And again, why are we talking about this on Ready Radio, John? Because <laughs> you and I both know that if this is the kind of leadership we have going on right now, if you are yourself relying on government to be able to provide for you in a time of need, think again. That's my point. <laughs> That's it. And when the power Okay, so we're halfway through winter, right? Yep. When do we have our worst storms? February. Usually. If we're going to have March. Fe- late February, March, yep. that, the heavy, wet stuff, 
that pulls the power lines down and everything else. And what's going to happen? Everybody right now is protesting. You're even playing it. And I understand it's advertisement. It's money for your station. Uh, the anti-PUC uh, and XL commercials because they raise their rates again. I guarantee if the power goes out through a bad storm, everybody's going to be screaming at XL, where's the lineman, where's the lineman, yep. where's the Good point. employees? No, you're Why great. aren't Good they point. out here fixing it? Yeah, great point. <laughs> John, I'll talk to you later. You too, man. John, appreciate it very much. And in in response to John, I did look this up as to the desalinization. uh, When they desalinate water, where is that salt? Where does it go? What does it do? And yes, there's... There's articles out there about how bad it is and this, that, and the other. And the, and the brine is something they don't know what to do with. But what's interesting is brine, which is made up of concentrated salt and some chemical residues, is exactly what CDOT here in Colorado is putting on our roads. The little white streaks you see on the pavement prior to a storm that has been put down in a liquid form, it dries and it looks kind of a, it's salty, essentially. That's why there's white strips, because that's essentially salt. Uh, it's funny. We here in Colorado and a lot of states have switched over to brine instead of mag chloride. So how hard would it be to get rid of the quote-unquote brine that is coming out of desalinization? It's not. All you do, to John's point, is store it, sell it in states like Colorado where we're probably making our own and spending money to do so. You could work this out even in between states to where you could offload that brine coming out of desalinization very easily and really have very little impact when it's all said and done. But, folks, we have no one at the upper echelon that thinks this way. Therein lies the problem. They're too busy fighting this, fighting that, listening to this stupid environmental group and another stupid environmental group. And, yes, they say stupid for a reason because, really, they are. They have self-interest and, at the end of the day, don't care anything about you and I and or the planet if you really want to get down to it. There was a really great exchange the other day between, uh, I believe it's Senator Kennedy, and he was asking an environmentalist because this particular, uh, this particular uh, individual, I wish I could find a clip and play it, this particular individual once all of the petrochemical plants in Louisiana shut down. And his question back always was, if you shut them down, how do you survive? How are you going to survive? Even what you've brought here today was made from petrochemicals. How are you and all of those like you going to survive without it? Of course, she had no answer and just kept coming back with, you know, they're killing people, they're killing people, they're killing people. That was her only standard answer that she had. She had no real solid results as to how you fix Anything. Anyways, side note. We'll come back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Don't forget, Stack Optical, by the way, where anything you need when it comes to your eyeglasses, eyewear, sunglasses, the, the, um, uh, your in total eye care from beginning to end, even the, the eye exam itself, whatever you need, Stack Op- Optical is there for you. Alan does all of my work, and my wife's going to be going there in the, in the near future. Anything you need, again, he has got it all, and I mean that sincerely. He makes a lot of the lenses on site, which really helps out immensely. This isn't something where you know, you're going into a one-hour optical and, and getting some cheesy set of lenses that may or may not work at the end of the day. No, no, no. This is all fitted to you, your face. Everything is handled afterwards. Alan's not going to sell you something that doesn't work right from the get-go. He'll advise you on all of that and then give you what all the options are in regards as well. And if there's something you want that's specific to you, you 
that, by the way, again, you're not going to go to some of the cheap optical places and get. What I mean by that is if you want a lens made specifically for you and your lifestyle, maybe you need readers, maybe you need bifocals, trifocals, whatever the case may be, all of that can be custom made to you and what you do in your lifestyle at Stack Optical. 303-321-1578. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20-plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Every month is the same. You see the balance on your power bill and you feel months worth of compounding anxiety around your cash flow, inflation, and now another electricity rate increase. Alan Davis with Solar Energy Partners has a plan to save you money and proactively ease your anxieties in the future, too. The first part of his plan is to help you lower your power bill with solar energy by about 40% over the next 30 years, usually saving you more than $1,000 in the first year alone. By choosing to work with Alan, you're making an investment that saves you money and stress for years to come. The second part of his plan to save you money is to help you get away from the big power companies that keep increasing your rates. 
The third part is to eventually get you into a place where you pay nothing for your electricity usage. Call Alan Davis at Solar Energy Partners now to learn more about how he can save you money on your power bill. Set up a consolation appointment today, 303-378-7537, 303-378-7537, or visit klzradio.com sun. All right, we are back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. And if you want to know more info on anything we have going on on Ready Radio, just go to ready-radio.com, ready-radio.com. And I appreciate uh, all of you listening and, again, using our sponsors. And it's very important that you use them on a regular basis. Tell them that you use them, and uh, they and I both appreciate that. Uh, very much. And uh, again, you can find all of our sponsors listed there. And uh, uh, anyways, appreciate all that you guys do in those regards. And I know our sponsors do as well. So and by the way, those of you that that think that you might be a good partner for us and be a good fit, um, please uh, let me know. Uh, reach out to me. I'd love to sit down and have a conversation and let you know how that works. And anyways, we can go from there. So anyways, if you've got anybody you know might be a good fit for us, uh, please let me know, and I will get with you, and we'll get that taken care of. All right, up next. I started this a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't get a chance to finish it, and that is the survival myths that, depending upon how you use them, could end up either hurting you or killing you in some cases. And we only got through about, I don't know, a dozen or so of these, and I've got several more that I would like to go through the rest of the program today. And somebody also texted in, by the way, thank you so much for using the text line like you do, 307-200-8222. Somebody mentioned a moment ago that we are at the halfway point of winter right now. Halfway point of winter. So for those of you looking forward to spring, we are halfway there. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Um, Somebody also texted in, I don't know much about balloons other than they float. What size balloons are needed to carry EMPs over the USA? If this one could, I would think our Pentagon of the resource to capture a China spy balloon for intel. Thank you. Thank you. I agree. I mean, I don't know how big these are as well. I've seen some pictures, but it's hard to tell in pictures exactly how big this thing is. Reality is, and I, as far as carrying an EMP, I don't think it would have to be that big. If it can carry, as far as a spy balloon goes, if it can carry what's needed in that regard, could it drop a EMP uh, overhead, um, y- yeah, I think it probably could. So again, folks, I, I am, I am disappointed in our current administration in many, many, many ways. But one of them being our national security. In this particular case, why are we allowing this? I think even reporters, even reporters that aren't necessarily on our side of the aisle, are asking the exact same question: Why are we allowing this? Anyways. I have some myths about shelter. I'll go through a few more of these myths, and they're, they're separated out. These happen to be about shelter. This one uh, depends on where you are, but there's probably some truth to this, depending upon what part of the country you're in and what's actually happening at the time. Build a fire in a cave for warmth. It says, cavemen didn't know any better. You do. Heat, come, heat causes rocks to expand. Rock expansion can lead to breakage. When rock breaks overhead in a cave, it's called a cave-in. 
Yeah, in fact, that's why if you're going to do anything along those lines, you put the fire out towards the entrance of the cave, not directly in the cave. A, you want the smoke to leave the cave. And yeah, you don't want to get things in the cave too warm. But if you had some sort of an outcropping or something along those lines and you've got the ability to get out and, and have some shelter and have a fire going right outside of it, I see nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And I would not have any issues with anybody doing that. A big fire beats a shelter. Large log fires have kept people alive in the cold, but that doesn't mean that you can afford to skip building a shelter. What if it rains or becomes really, really windy? You never want to sleep out in the open if you can help it. Take the time to build a shelter. It will pay you back every time. Yeah. um, Is a big fire nice? Yes. Does it beat a shelter? No. In fact, they need to be used in conjunction with one another. You, You can't have one or the other. They need to be used in conjunction with each other. The next one is space space blankets are useless. We've talked about that a lot. John and I, even from Cheyenne, have talked about that. Um, I am not going to read all of this word for word. Uh, They are not useless. They actually work. They are a mylar-coated emergency blanket. That's why we call them space blankets. But uh, they don't look very warm, but the way they function, they do. And if you've never used one, you wouldn't know that, but they actually work extremely well. Uh, They wick out the moisture uh, they don't allow moisture in. They keep the heat inside of you. Uh, they work extremely well. So, uh, no, the myth is they're useless. No, they, are, they actually work very well. In fact, I would tell all of you, that, and I, and I do this, you should keep, they're cheap. You can buy a four- to six-pack of them in a single container, throw them in the, in the uh, glove box of the car, and you can do that for pennies on the dollar. They are not that expensive and well worth having around. Lean-tos make great shelters. No, they don't. Actually, lean-tos stink. Why? Because unless it's completely enclosed in and then it's a full-bore shelter, it's not just a lean-to. You know, now, if you're in a really you know, dire place and it's about the only thing you can do and there's not a lot of other time, you can get a lean-to up cr- pretty quickly. That's better than nothing. Okay, It is better than nothing. But is a lean-to like a full-bore shelter? No. No. It, too many gaps, too much opening, too much wind that can come and go. It, you know, is it a help? Yes. Is it going to save you? No, not at all. So I agree with that one as well. Myths about fire. Myths about fire. Rub two sticks together to make a fire. Yeah, let's see how you do that. I've watched enough survival shows even where some guy or gal thinks that they can take the twine in a bow in a stick, and it's two sticks, and, and even using it in that motion where they can get the stick, you know, really rolling, you know, rock on top, of course, and they can really get things rolling back and forth, get a little ember going and so on. Good luck. I've watched the survival show folks try that. And while, you know, back in the day, a caveman may have wanted to do that, you don't. You have to have the exact right ideal conditions to make what I just said work. Very, very, very few people can start a fire with two sticks. It just doesn't happen. That's why it was, you know, back in the day, it was so important. You know, they were fire keepers back in the day. Why? Because they didn't want the fire to go out because starting another one stunk. So there were people that were keepers of the fire. I know that sounds kind of hilarious, but, you know, today we don't think twice about it. We just light a match or a lighter or whatever, and boom, we have fire. We are blessed. You know, it wasn't that long ago that have, you know, making fire was a big deal. 
and you did your very best to make sure you had embers or things around along those lines to make sure that you could start fire very, very easily. So, no, two sticks rubbing together does not work. You've got to always make sure you've got the ability to to create fire some way, somehow. You know, 9-volt battery and some steel wool. Uh, you know, a fire starter, a lighter. Y- again, I can go down the list. There's so many different ways to do this, but you need to have the ability to start a fire. And I would, I would always recommend that in your, you know, bug out bag or whatever you've got to travel with, you have some sort of a, a fire starter in it that's not a lighter. Lighters can be really finicky at times. They also can leak. They can get stepped on, crack, things along those lines. I would not rely on a lighter for my fire. I would have, you know, waterproof matches, some sort of a fire starter, you name it. And if, you, if you've never used fire starter itself, you need to practice so you know what to do. Because if you've never done it, you don't want to be doing it when you need it the most. You want to practice ahead of time. So we are, we are blessed to be able to start fire rather easily. They did not always have that ability. No, two sticks rubbing together. Good luck. Use a thumbnail to test wood. You may have heard that if you dent a piece of wood with your thumbnail, the wood is suitable for starting a friction fire. This myth just won't seem to go away, but it doesn't hold up. Some denser woods are fine for friction fires, and some softer woods don't work at all. When a thumbnail test works, it isn't an affirmation. It's a coincidence. Number, uh, this is 19 on the list. Nose grease is perfect fire starter. Um, there's not enough oil in the side of your nose to lubricate the top of a bowstring spindle. How in the world is that going to start a fire is what this article says. And yeah, I agree. I don't know of any type of bodily fluid you could use that makes a great fire starter. It doesn't exist. We are made up mostly of water, so think about that for a moment. How does that work for starting a fire? It doesn't. There's so many things, and we've had so many recommendations even on this program in the last year or so because we've, we've been on here for almost a year now. We've had so many different recommendations on what you can do to have fire. Do that instead, and just make sure you have it with you at all times. Here's something to think about as well. Very few new vehicles come with a lighter very few now can you get a lighter option sometimes yes sometimes no when i grew up charlie and i both and a lot of you listening lighters were standard in every car if you wanted to light something most people used them for cigars cigarettes and things like that i remember we used to use them for fireworks and all kinds of stuff you know you'd push the little plunger in it heat the element up you'd pull it out and light whatever you wanted to you can't do that anymore cars don't have lighters And cars don't have ashtrays. Think about that one as well. Very few have ashtrays. In fact, most vehicles, an ashtray is an option. So don't don't think that, well, I've got my car and there's a lighter in it. No, there's not. Not unless it's an old car. There's not. Wet matches work when dry. That is a great myth because, no, they don't. Unless they're a fireproof, waterproof type match, even after they dry out, no, they don't work. They're ruined at that point. They will not work. You've all had in your days at least i have uh, something happens and a book of matches gets wet some of you are thinking if some of you that are younger are like a book of matches what's what's a book of matches <laughs> charlie's in there laughing because young people don't even know what a book of matches is I, I remember going to a lot of restaurants back in the day and part of their advertising was they gave you a book of matches 
they usually had them sitting by the you know, area where you walk in and out of the restaurant, they would just sort of have them lay in there. And the really fancy restaurants, they had stick matches, which a very few do today. There's a few that still do that, but used to be part of the advertising for most businesses to put your name on a pack of matches. The front side would kind of have your logo. The back side had all the information. It was sort of like a mini business card, but there was matches inside. If you handed that to somebody today, they'd be like, what? What are you, what are you doing here? You're trying to kill me? Young people especially. I don't think they, Charlie, I don't think they even know what a paper match even is. They, they, they would look at that and think, how do, you, how do you light that? I remember as a kid, a lot of folks, they would fold the back of the match cover over, stick the match in between the cover and the striker, and they'd pull the, it's like you pulled the string through and they would light the match that way. I never did that. You just lit it. And now, I never smoked, but I did have, you know, we, I grew up where, Back in the car world back in the day, even our dealership at the time, yes, matches were a part of your advertisement. It had your name on it. It had the logo of your business, and you gave away matches because a lot of people smoked. In fact, I don't know, Charlie, probably two-thirds of people smoked back then. Oh, Charlie collected them. Do you still have your collection? Oh, Charlie still has his collection. Good for you. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that was a big deal back in the day. And, and a lot of people like Charlie collected those things back then. And you think about this today. You, you can't even have a, you know, used to be, you could have a book of matches in your pocket and get on an airplane. You, you cannot, you used to smoke on the airplane. You can't do any of that, as you all know. And you definitely can't walk on with a pack of matches in your pocket. They will throw you off the airplane for having a pack of matches or a lighter or anything along those lines. So anyways, yeah, wet matches do not work when they're dried. Last one here, and then we'll go into hydration. Use an eight-sided bow drill. At some point, using an octagon drill became popular. The, uh, the idea is that the edges help the drill grip the bowstring in more places, resulting in more friction, but those sharp edges end up shredding the cord and causing it to vibrate horribly while failing to grip the string any better than a round drill bit, you know, round drill would. I'll go back to my original thing on the whole starting a fire with wood. Just don't. Don't. And if you have to get in that situation ever, good luck. I would do everything I possibly could to figure out how to start a fire outside of that, including gasoline and a spark. You know, two rocks together and some gas, you got a better chance of starting a fire than you do with any kind of a bow drill. Good luck on that one. Anyways. I've got more. I'll come back, talk about hydration. If there's anything I just said that you want to add to, 307-200-8222 is our text line. I'll read those in a moment. You can also call in, 303-477-5600. This is Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968... Yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. 
we welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20-plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, real quick to the matches. Ready Radio, by the way. Real quick to the matches. One of you texted in and reminded me that they used to also, so they would put the matches in a logoed ashtray as well. So you'd have the book of matches, of course, logoed, and then in a lot of cases you'd have an ashtray. And a lot, you know, depending upon who you were dealing with and so on, you may end up with an ashtray as a gift logoed from whatever company it was that was actually giving away those particular items. So, yeah, back in the day that was extremely common to have not only matches, but ashtrays and things that involved, you know, smoking, which, you know, nobody does anymore. So that, that was even, that was kind of fun, actually. And uh, I honestly, folks, 
I forgot about a lot of those things back in the, even though I grew up in that era where literally everybody smoked, I've, I've totally not really blocked out. You just sort of forget those things. I'd forgot all about that stuff. So anyway, just kind of fun to talk about that. Dave, you're up. Hello, Dave. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hey, how you doing? Good, sir. Hey, I had a quick response to the, uh, balloon issue. Um, the reason they're using the balloon is, uh, they lack the sophisticated technology that we do. So that what, what it's actually doing is it's sniffing and test, uh, tasting the air. Hmm. And they want to be able to uh, ascertain from that certain chemical compounds. They can figure out what kind of rocket fuel is being used, what actually even what, what kind of uh, uh, weapons are being stored in, in those missile silos. You're and kidding me. Another, another thing, yeah. And another thing that I didn't think about until you, uh, one of your other people brought it up about the EMT, it, it's possible. This could be a test run, and it's just huh? gently pushing out yeah. uh, light electronic pulses just to test what altitude would be optimal to uh, set one of those weapons off. And, you know, what, they, what, it's, what this balloon gives them is cover, where they can come back and say, hey, you know what, sorry, it was just a weather balloon that got away from us. Mm-hmm. There's no way that they could fly a, an actual spy plane. Over the United good States, point. Away with, well, I don't nope. know. Good point, Dave. Could under under Joe Biden. Well, yeah, denied. yeah. Under this administration, anything's possible, Dave. But no, for for the most part, no, they couldn't. You're right. So it's it's possible that, that no, it, you, it, you know the, what you uh, just said right. to begin with. I I had I did not know that they could do that. It makes sense now that you say that and what that actual device could be that they're doing right now. And I didn't know they had. I mean, does it make sense they've got instrumentation that could sense that? I just never thought about that. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, what it brings to mind is a couple years back, another buddy of mine brought this up this morning, a uh, U.S. spy plane was flying too close to the Chinese airspace in the South China Sea. They forced that plane down because spy planes are unarmed. Mm. They forced it down and they held it, and, and they didn't release it until they had enough time to uh, go through and steal the technology mm. that was on there. But yet here, this administration is afraid to pop a balloon. Well, you know? and, and part of that is because we know that the Chinese government is in the back pocket of Joe Biden. I mean, this is just even making it more Absolutely. apparent all the time. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Ridiculous, that, Dave. That, that's straight to the point. And, it, you know, that nobody, I mean, that, that the press has lost all credibility that nobody can say, hey, wait a minute, this is putting me in danger now. Right. You know, it's just amazing to me. But uh, on the, the separate subject, were you ever able to get a hold of... Uh, a CD or a ham radio specialist come on in. I have not. No, in fact, that's you know, I I reached out to a couple of people and didn't hear anything back. And you just reminded me, I will, I will tickle that again and do it again, Dave. I no, I did not, and I will. That's a, that's a great reminder. Thank you. I will do that. Yeah, because I was just looking at it as as an alternative for communication. Should you know the, yep. the substance hit the fan? You know, uh, it's easy for the uh, cell systems to get overwhelmed, even just in a natural disaster. Some of those uh, towers get knocked over, and, you know, guess what? People are lost without that cell phone. There's no way to communicate. Nobody has landlines anymore. Right. So, you know, some type of a backup communication system like that to get a hold of loved ones across town, across state, across other several states, you, you could possibly do that with one of these radio systems, no. I would think. Yeah. But, no, I no, I agree. I, I, and I have another person in mind. I will do my very best to uh, get them on. And that's a great reminder. I'll do that. All right. No, thanks a lot. Thank you, Dave. No, appreciate it very much. And and all of you listening, thank you. I I know that you all can't 
call in and let me know you're listening each and every week, but I know a lot of you are, so thank you for that. I appreciate that very, very much. And just a few more tips here. And, and Dave, thank you, by the way. All the info on the spy balloon, very strong. Thank you. I, I had not thought through some of that, and that was some really great points you just made, so thank you for that. Uh, Miss, really quick about hydration. This one sounds really gross. It is, and it is It is really, you, you should not ever do it. It's very uh, toxic, and you, you've, you've heard people talking about this and doing it, but it doesn't work, and that is drinking your own urine to stay hydrated. No, it does not work. That is a myth. It does not work. Uh, we all know, at least I think we should know, that what's in urine is all of the toxins and things that have in your body. It's your way... It's the way your body, your, you know, your kidneys are, are a filter, if you would, and they are filtering out all the toxins and things that we don't need, and it's getting rid of that, and that's what's going out in our waste. It's called waste for a reason. And no, we do not need to ingest it again. It is not going to help you stay hydrated. So that is another myth that you've seen even that in the movies and different things, and no, that does, that does not work. Drink raw blood to survive. Um, that sounds disgusting just in and of itself. I, I guess there would be some protein and some things like that in it, but I don't think for hydration, and even this article says the hydration, no, there's no gain on the hydration side. So if you killed an animal and wanted to drink some blood for the protein side, which, again, is really disgusting, but I, I guess if you're really in that position and you have to, you'll do anything. But, yeah, no. Number 25, suck on a stone for hydration. This one I've never heard of. Sucking on the stone causes saliva to flow. Um, But that's just taking your own water that's coming out of your own body, and it's it's like a recycle. You're not gaining anything. There's no new water coming in doing that. That's dumb. This one you have to be careful of because you see people do this all the time, even in movies and so on, and a lot of us, even as kids, would do this. Eat snow for water. Um, We all know not to eat the yellow snow, but what about the white stuff? Bad move. There are four classes of snowflakes, and many shapes of these classes uh, can assume, uh, but they all contain more cold air than frozen water. In any volume of snow, the air-to-water ratio is about 9 to 1. This means you'll need to eat about 10 quarts of snow to yield one quart of water in your belly. Forget about brain freeze. This is core freeze. If it's cold enough for snow to be persistent, then it's cold enough for hypothermia. Always melt the snow before drinking it. Now, is it safe to take snow, put it into a boiling, you know, into a hot pot and, and boil it and then drink it? Absolutely. It is water. It does contain, you know, all the, all the hydration you would need. If you boil it, you're getting rid of some of the contaminants, which, yes, the snow will have contaminants. And some would say, well, why? If it's fresh and it's come from the sky, how does it have contaminants? Because it's fallen through the air and it's picked up some of the contaminants that are in the air itself. And depending upon what type of a, a event we would have that caused you to be in this, in this particular situation in the first place, you may not want to eat anything that's come out of the air. So you definitely would want to boil it at that point and not just eat fresh snow off the ground. And, uh, yeah, it, this article is correct. That one I will agree with 100%. So those are the myths. I had a few more that we had covered in the weeks prior. And, you know, bottom line is if you find yourself in a situation where you've had to leave your home, which hopefully that doesn't happen, 
you've had to somehow leave your vehicle because maybe you couldn't get it to run or you weren't able to get in in the first place or an EMP strike did hit and what you're driving wasn't hardened and you don't have the ability to go from A to B, so you're now on foot. Heaven forbid any things would happen because, as we've stated many, many times on this program, and I've had many guests agree with me on this, the stated number of people that will die in the first 30 days of just a major power outage in this country, whether it's an EMP or just somebody attacking the grid or whatever the case may be. So not nuclear warfare, not a big bomb going off, not an invasion, but just the power itself is off. You have no power. The statistics show that about 30 to 40 percent of the society we live in today will be dead in 30 days. A third will be dead in 30 days. Think about that for a moment and think about just once a person dies, what happens to bodies, decay, stink, stench, the the amount of, of just disgusting, nasty stuff that will come from that, you know, flies and bugs and junk, and it, the thought is disgusting. But it's something we need to think about because what do you do if you find yourself in that position? It's what we talk about here on a weekly basis. Now, we talk about other things. We just got through talking about this weather balloon or this balloon from China, the spy balloon. It's not a weather balloon. It's a spy balloon. But to Dave's point a moment ago, could it carry an EMP? And is this some sort of test that the Chinese are doing right now in preparation for something along those lines? I have no idea, folks. Here's my biggest concern. I've got a few minutes left that I want to talk about here. And then we'll close things out. Here's my biggest fear with China. They're getting desperate. And my fear with a country is when it gets desperate, they do desperate things. And some would say, well, how do you know they're desperate? Just trust me when I say that. They are. They're desperate. And I don't trust them. I don't know what they're going to do next. But I will tell you right now, they're a desperate country. And I don't put anything past them because when countries get desperate, they'll do anything they can to survive. Jim and Byers, what's going on? You'll be my last call. Yeah, hey, uh, real quick here. Hey, you know, one thing on survival that a lot of people don't understand, because um, my, my wife has brought this up, and um, the, the one thing people don't understand, even on that show Alone, yes. Um, if, you, if you watch a lot of those people like on Alone, uh, what they don't understand, what people don't understand, I mean, if something was drastically to happen, I mean... You're not going to have time to sit around, nope. dawdle around. Nope. I mean, literally, you will be. You have to get from the moment you wake up early in the morning. You got to start gathering wood. You got it, Jim. You got to start thinking. I mean, there is literally, and that's what that's the biggest problem. Why most of those people on the loan don't don't survive don't survive and last on that. You're show. right. They're mo- you know, you're right, Jim. Most of them sleep. Yeah, they sleep and they dawdle around. Yep. Even when they when they have the warm weather. I know. Jim, they should be thinking, you know, that's that old story of, you know, the ant getting prepared for winter. I mean, they should be thinking about that same exact story, and they don't. Yeah, exactly. And that's why the, uh, a few years back, I don't know, maybe three, three years back, the only guy that I ever saw that was really good at doing doing that alone, and he lasted the entire, the entire what, 100 days or whatever they're on there, the guy was from Arkansas, and he was literally a hillbilly. Wow. Yeah, there was one other guy. There was one other guy that I think was from Alaska, Jim. That was the same way, and again, same deal. I mean, he was the guy that killed the muskox with a knife. I mean, this guy was one tough, right. you know what? 
But same right. deal, Jim. He wasn't sleeping around. He wasn't diddling around. That guy, every single solid day, was doing something to survive. That's exactly right. And see, that's the that's the big. And see, that's what's gonna. That's what's really gonna kill the vast yep. majority of people. Is people just don't get it. There, there's no dawdling around. Nope. I mean, if you if you're seriously gonna survive. You live in the moment you wake up, and you you can't be waking up no nine, ten, eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, in fact, Jim, you know you're, you're probably going to live on about four or five hours of sleep because you're going to be doing stuff all the way into the evening as well. If you're going to survive, you won't have a choice. So, yeah, there there is it is not an easy life when that happens. No, that's exactly right. I mean, we we heat our house strictly with wood, John. I mean, strictly with wood. I mean, we still have our 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 our, our uh, gas uh, furnace. But for the last four years, we've been living just straight. And I'm going to tell you something. This last win- this winter here, we've been going like through wood like you won't yep. believe. And, I'm- and I'll tell you what. I thought I had enough wood for the winter, and I'm already out there splitting wood again on cold days wow. to try to make sure we're going to have enough wow. wood for the winter. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and again, as, and I talked about this a couple of days ago, and somebody actually texted in yesterday, Jim. Uh, you know, the predictions were that we would have a warmer than typical winter here in the Colorado region. We might have, you know, we'd have snow, but probably minimal storms, maybe a few more of them, but temperatures would be above average. Both of those were wrong, by the way. Right. Yeah, so, I mean. And, and so, my point being, you can't rely on these guys because all they're doing is guessing. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think there's probably a lot of people that listen to this show and others similar that just think that we're we're ridiculous with what we say. No, nope. I'm, I'm dead serious. No, nope. so are you? Right on without all the stuff that you yep. talk about, Jim. And my numbers and you know the stats are they've done some studies. They think thirty, forty percent of people would be dead in thirty days. I, I think that numbers double that. Yeah, I do. I do too, John. Hey, and then one other thing on the EMP thing. Yes. The guy that wrote that one second after. Yes. I was listening to him this morning on the radio, and he he uh, he was talking to Glenn Beck about uh, they do not believe it's going to be an EMP, and they think it's going to happen with the next two years. Wow. Uh, even with the European Economic Forum, but they believe it's going to be a cyber attack on our on our. That would not surprise me, and and. and uh... That would not surprise me. Uh, by the way, Jim, read the book or listen to the Audible book, Total Power. It's right along the lines of what you just said. It's a great read. I listened to it. One of the guests we had recommended it, and it's fabulous. i got to let you go, Jim, but listen to that. Okay. It's great. You'll enjoy it. Total Power for the rest of you. It is a fabulous book. You'll enjoy reading it. Don't forget, go to the website, ready-radio.com. All of our sponsors are listed there. And if there's a guest you'd like us to interview, you want us to talk to, by all means, let me know, and I'll reach out do my best to have them on as well. Ready Radio, this is KLZ 560. and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.